and he, he told me he was going to play a trick on you. That was the yeah, plan. Like right. literally before we got there that day, he he pulls out this Tarsus band and he says, "Look what I look what I had made." Yeah. You know, like he he called up an engraver and everything and and had him make a Tarsus <laughs> band replica of 26XH and he was going to go out and pick up a bird. Um that one kind of back backfired on him. <laughs> This is uh, part three of our band hunting topic. Um, I'm your host, Brad Cochran, here with my co-host, Dave Smith. And we're going to kind of pick up right where we left off. Um, back to tactics, I kind of mentioned it there briefly. Um, decoys, I think. Um, would, would you agree that when it comes to band hunting, because you're trying to decoy as many birds as you can, and you're you're trying for them to be you know super relaxed and comfortable, um, and convinced that that your decoys are real. That the more the more lifelike the decoys um, you can get your hands on, the better. Yeah, I mean absolutely. And you know I kind of think of if, if the birds are convinced enough to land in the decoys, uh, they're probably convinced enough to stay. That's not always the case, but you know, that's a pretty good indicator. If you're consistently landing birds and I'd say that you're, you're doing, you're doing things right. And just having decoys like, you know, like our decoys, um, you know, obviously we have a lot of faith and confidence in them and we've had a lot of great success, um, with them, but just having the decoys is not, is, is, is not a guarantee that, that, you will use them correctly. Like I've seen people um, put them really, really crooked on their stakes or really, really high on the stakes. Don't put the stakes very far in the ground. In one case, I saw a guy that put them way, way, way low on their stakes. Um, that doesn't happen very often. But, and then, you know, I've seen a lot of things of people just, you know, putting every single decoy face into the wind um, or doing like a, a really, really distinct pattern um, or having every decoy like almost exactly the same distance apart all those things kind of are kind of red flags but I kind of feel like <clears throat> if you're getting birds to consistently land in your decoys that's a pretty good indication that you're you're doing you're doing things right right and they're buying it yeah, yeah. and you know one of the problems that you know that you're always gonna have a possibility of having is birds landing and still being relaxed and everything like that, but just start so slowly feeding away and out of range and stuff. And that's, that's kind of a tough one. I, you know, on the coast I've done seagull decoys. Um, I have some old carry light seagull decoys that I got from Knudsen's and, you know, I used to put those on the outside of my decoy spread in a half circle to try to keep geese from, you know, walking, walking out. And eh, it kind of, it kind of works. It seems like but, you know, down there on the coast, it's like they're just not that uncomfortable around seagulls, you know? Yeah. Um, but, you know, I've had some some success with that. And um, I've tried a lot of different things like, set, you know, s setting a blind bag or something like that out there. And, I mean, I'd say I've just had limited success. But um, the the very best scenario is if they'll, you know, stick around for long, long periods of time. Because um, even if you're not looking for for bands in the, the group that's in your decoys, they are your decoys now. They're your live decoys that are just gonna decoy in the next flocks. And that's, for me, that's one of the most important elements 
is to, you know, if you get the first flock or two to land and there's no collar in there, that's, that's fine. If you just keep building up birds and building up and building up, as long as the, the new ones that are coming in are, are coming in in range, or at least circling in range, then you've got live, live decoys. And that's helped me with a lot of collars is just having big groups of live decoys. Uh-huh. It's the legal way to do it. <laughs> right. No, me too. Um, I would say uh, I'd like to add to one of the things I've seen uh, hunters do do wrong, and, and I've been guilty of this myself too, is putting their decoys, um, for example, if they're you know hunting on an edge, putting their decoys too close. Yeah. To the edge, you know, I've seen guys try to put them out, you know, five yards from the edge. Yep. And, you know, there's maybe some places um, where that might work, but boy, that doesn't fly well around here. I typically try to stay around 20 yards. Mm -hmm. um, and it depends on the edge, you know, the higher the edge, like if I was up against, you know, 10 foot high blackberries, for example, um, you know, that's a pretty intimidating hide for a bird to land next to yeah you know um i might i might make it you know 30 yards or even 35 yards and if it were you know if it's a tree line for you know if if i'm up against 30 40 foot high trees you know i might even be putting them at 40 or 50 yards so um, yeah and i've been in the situation with the where the wind the wind is in your face and I put decoys out at like 40 to 60 yards. Oh, just, absolutely. Just, and yeah. that's the other thing is, yeah, um, the wind plays a big part of that too. So, yeah, distance. It, it with, in an ideal situation, you know, if you either had a crossing wind or a wind at your back and and the, the cover was, you know, roughly the same, the same height as your blind, you could get away with 20 20 yards or so, yeah. don't you think? You I think, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think 20, 25 yards is great. Or like 20... 25 yards like for the sort of the kill hole. I don't know if I'd really call it a kill hole um what what we do but you know the kind of the spot where you give give them uh a target to to land at and then yeah I do th I think some people put them really 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 close because they want the birds to land close but it doesn't quite work that way it's like the further you get them away the more comfortable they're going to be yep. um so you just got to find a happy, a happy medium in there. Oh yeah. We've had days when we're struggling to get birds to, to finish, you know, or even a decoy at all. And, and simply by my, by moving the, the decoys out another 10 or 15 yards, it, you, you'd be, you'd be blown away the, the night and day difference it makes, yeah. you know, you go from, you know, not even getting birds within shotgun range to all of a sudden now they're finishing. Yep. So do you remember when we used to do occasionally um, rig up a, like a jerk cord in our, in our decoys. Um, have you done that at all in the last like decade or so? I always trip over them. Yeah. Same no. here. It's just, well, and it's, it's a pain to rig that up and stuff, you know, it is. I've, yeah. I've used, I have a Tim Newbold flapper still. And I it's still, really have, I still have one too. Every once in a while I do break that out and it's super yeah. effective. It's super effective. Yeah. But yeah, I just always, always forget about it, you know. Well, and with me, it's I, I kind of like the idea that I don't overuse it, you know. That's that's another another reason to be, you know, use it in moderation, I guess. Yeah, just just when you absolutely need it, and it's just like anything. If you just, you know, anything that works really good, if you use it too much, then it's not going to work work good anymore. Yep. 
And then what about uh, the, the people that you go with, the size of the groups and the, the, the mentality and mindset and, and all that stuff? Like, um, well, let's, let's say somebody comes up to you and says, oh, take me goose hunting. I want to go goose hunting in the worst way. And, um, you know, if you, I know you and I have both had people tell us like, you know, invited us to go hunting. And then they're like, you guys, like, I know you guys like to watch for callers and stuff like that. You just do, just do, do your thing. And I'm, I'm, I'm completely, <laughs> completely patient and, and, uh, I can, I can handle it. No problem. And then just a short time later, they're like pulling their hair out. Because, <laughs> because we're going to shoot. We're going to shoot. We're going to shoot. We're going to shoot. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a tough one. I mean, how do you deal with that? Uh, that, that is a tough one. Uh, I think the, the, the best way to do it, you know, really is to, is to control your own destiny. You know, you, you scout the birds, you control the situation yourself. You know, I mean, if you can do it independently, that's ideal. Um, and then, and then small groups. I mean, I've got, I run with a pretty small crew. We're, you know, we're a, a pretty low key bunch. Um, but I would, you know, I would, I would trust anybody within, you know, my small circle, um, to, to go on a band hunt that, that, you know, that having been said, that doesn't, that doesn't mean that, you know, if I find, you know, a band or some bands that I'm going to invite them all, you know, I mean, a lot of times, (laughs) I mean, if you're going after one or two bands, you know, I mean, really, there's, there's really no point in inviting anybody in a lot of situations, you know? Um, Well, and you, you know, you were just talking earlier about how you and you and Kevin and I consider Kevin to be one of the best, you know, one of the best band band hunters on earth too. I mean, you're talking about situations where you and him of each spot of the collar at the same time. Well, it's like once you get up to some, you know, so many people, uh, you're, there's only so much real estate to look at while birds are circling, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it is. And, and no, you're right. He's a phenomenal, phenomenal, um, band hunter and and hunter in general i mean and he's a great shot too oh he's, he's a yeah, really he's, he's a he's a unbelievable shot better shot than i am for sure not to say that i'm some amazing shot but he's incredible um but he, what's amazing to me about him is is his ability to to um anticipate what geese are going to do not just not just the morning of the hunt but he can look at a field and the weather forecast and you know he can he can he can just know you know what what the best setup is going to be the next morning you know yeah. where, where to hide and god it seems like we get out into the field and a lot of times i just defer to him you know like he'll see some little roll in the field some subtle little roll in the field you know that that i won't see or i won't think is a big deal and i'll be like ah the birds aren't going to have any problem and he's like no they're going to want to land up there you know and so we'll we'll go there and it's like man i'm not i'm glad i listened to him yeah um he just has a he just has a god it's just a unique talent you know to to just to to know he just really really knows birds well and he can look at a field and you know he can he can tell if if the birds are content there um, and if they have a, a good food source and, and what the odds are that they're going to really want to come back and play the next morning. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, he's, he's super, super good. He's fun to hunt with. We have kind of a, a competitive thing going, yeah. you know, we're kind of tit for tat on, on shooting bands and collars with each other. You know, some days, some days he'll get me. There's been, you know, there's been days where we'll go out together and he'll shoot a couple collars, out from in front of me and then you know 
And then a few days later, I'll do the same thing, get him back. Yeah. So that's, <clears throat> that's awesome. Yep. But, um, so what about, what about calling? Is your calling when you're band hunting? Is that any different than, um, you know, than if you were just, just fun hunting? You know, with, with me, I, calling is such a little thing compared to it compared to how it used to be years ago. Like uh -huh. I just, just because I just, just don't call very much. Like I just try to, I'm, I'm like super conservative, um, in, in a lot of my hunting and, um, you know, it's, it's definitely to a fault when it comes to like archery elk hunting, because I'll, you know, I just don't want to penetrate into anywhere and I don't want to bump, you know, bump animals and same with turkeys. I just don't want to bump them and, and all that stuff. So it's, you know, it hurts, it hurts me because I'm just waiting, waiting, waiting on the edge and just hoping, you know, that some, something comes by and stuff. But, you know, my, um, in my goose hunting, I just like, I am really conservative. I don't call very much at all. And I don't call if I don't absolutely have to. So, I mean, I don't know. I just keep it really subtle and just really, really simple. And, um, you know, if you're band hunting is usually you're setting up on an X, you know, it's, um, you know, of course I'm watching for, for bands when I'm, when I'm hunting traffic, but you know, if you, if you're anticipating, um, you know, trying to shoot a, a band or a collar and you saw one the day before, then, you know, you're kind of try to set up in exactly the spot that they want to land. And if that's the case, like, boy, there's just not much need to call. I mean, that's, that's been my experience. What, what about you? Oh, I completely agree. It's funny. Um, you know, I, I'd like, I'd like us to share some of our band stories. I love hearing your band stories. And, and of course, um, I get this from my dad. I just love to tell stories and I love to talk, but, um, what you just said about, you want to be right where they they want to be. And you're really, you know, you're really conservative with your calling. It, it just reminded me of a, of a hunt. Um, I did, you know, probably 10, 10 years ago. I think it was the year that we came out with our, with our honkers. They were, they were the, the, the what we call the giants now were, uh, our, our two piece, our mm -hmm. original two piece honker. We came out with them that year and I found the day before our September early goose season opener, I found a pair of black neck collars in a field that I could hunt. And, so those are, those are from out of state, right? They're from California. Yep. Um, and, and it was the same two that I had chased the previous October. So this is September. We'll, we'll say this is September of, you know, 08, I think it was. And in October of 07, I had gone after these same two, two birds. And you and knew they were the same two because not just because they're black, but because of the codes. Because of the codes. Yeah. Uh -huh. I read yeah. the codes on them. Um, and, oh, I set up on these two, Dave, and it was like, you could not have asked for a better setup. I had the, I had the sun at my back. I had the wind at my back and slightly quartering, uh, toward the roost and, and the roost was in front of me and these birds were coming. They were all honkers and there was only 80 to a hundred birds maybe in this field. Great hide, amazing hide. And they were coming in little bunches and every time a little bunch would set up and, you know, come floating across the field. I mean, my heart was racing like uncontrollably. <laughs> I had shot one black collar at that point. Um, but it was, I, you know, I, I love shooting them. Yeah. I mean, no matter what color they are, I mean, they're always fun, yeah. but there was just something really cool and, and new and unique about those black collars. And so, um, you know, of course I was really, really hoping to get, get both of those or at least get a chance at them. And so anyways, fast forward to the following year, I, I, I they, they never showed up. 
I decoyed even more birds than I had seen in that field the day before. You know, I'd seen maybe 80 to 100 birds. Well, I probably had 150 to 200 birds come back to that field that I landed, put them all right in the hole, you know, 15, 20 yard shots right in the hole, and they never showed up. And I'm positive of that. Perfect lighting. So fast forward 11 months, and the day before the early season opener, I found them in a field with about 250 honkers. And it was probably five miles from where I had hunted them the year before. And, um, and I, of course, didn't sleep a wink that night, and I put out two dozen of our new honker decoys. I had to have the wind in my face to get the sun on my back. There was a great little hide, and it just so happened that when I watched the birds come out the evening before my hunt, they landed literally within 20 yards of the perfect hide. There was a little teeny island of of brush out in the middle of this cornfield. It was, you know, growing up around a sprinkler head. And, um, And man, oh man was I excited. I got my blind in there, just completely disappeared, put out my two dozen honkers and, and they started coming and it was group after group after group right in the hole. And pretty soon I had 150, maybe 180 birds. I was trying to keep track of them all, you know, um, there's almost exactly 250 in there the night before. And the two neck collars came in a flock of about 20, 25 birds first flock the uh-huh. evening prior. So, um, you know, when they didn't show up after that first 160, 180 birds or however many I now had in my decoys, I was starting to, you know, I was getting a little concerned, you know, because you know, honkers are they're they, they start to spread out pretty quick. Yep. You know, they don't land real close together and, and the approaching bunches were getting further and further away from me. Um, and pretty soon they started landing behind me. And, um, before I knew it, a small flock had lit 150 yards or so behind me up on a hill and I thought oh no um you know because I was downwind of me and and the approaching geese were having to come over those birds to get to me and they started mm. short stopping them yeah you know six birds or however many first lit you know how honkers are however many lit up there on that little hill started short stopping everything and pretty soon there was 50 60 birds up there and I was running out of geese you know I knew I was running out of geese I was getting close to that 250 bird number and um, pretty soon, here comes 15, 20 birds from the roofs. I figured this is probably one of the last bunches. Um, and uh, they set up on those birds up on the hill behind me. And I, I rolled over in my blind, and I just started bawling on my call. Mm-hmm. And I called and called and called and called and called. And m- most of them landed. But for some reason, there were like five birds that at the last second, they they picked up their wing beat and they drifted all the way across that field to me <laughs> and they came right across and, and, and into my decoys and into the live birds and you know there's the two net collars and I pulled up and I smoked them both oh man so That's that awesome. was cool and yeah. then I shot another bird and then one more flock after they all blew out you know I so I had three then then after that one more one more little bunch of birds came off the roost and I got my last two so right on it was my five with the, the yeah. two colors and it was cool they were um they were seven or eight years old they were pretty wow pretty old bands yeah that they the only bad part about that story is that reminds me of something that i think i had blocked out of my memory and that was oh no <laughs> and that was a solo hunt out on a out on a pasture on the coast where there was a similar number of honkers 
um, that had been coming in regularly. And there was a single black net collar and I set up on it and I got flock after flock after flock to come in and just hang right over me or at least fly right over me or land in range. And then they were the same thing was happening. They kept getting, you know, they, they just couldn't physically fit. Um, so they kept kind of landing further and further and further away, but still I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. Uh, you know, up to that point, every single flock that had come at least was in range at some point. And I'm just like watching, I'm like, where is this black collar? He's just gotta be here. And it's like, you know, it just takes a little bit of luck. Like why couldn't he have been in one of these, one of these flocks. And then the last flock is coming and coming straight for me. And at about a hundred, uh, 120 yards out, it splits. The The flock splits evenly into like two, two groups of 10. And one of the groups of 10 just comes, floats right in. And the other one, you know, is, is like at 70 yards away the whole time and there's that black collar and that was that's the end of my that story was it. oh man <laughs> yeah so thanks for reminding me of that but but it's funny how that goes it's you know the, the the good memories you know are burned into you and you you are thankful for them and stuff like that but you also come with a lot of memories of the ones that got away i mean i have a lot I have a lot of collars that I just would just give anything to, to have that back or, or, or just, just a little bit of bad luck and stuff. But the, the goal in life is to not focus on those things and just, you know, focus on the, the good memories, the things that did happen and good, good things have happened. So, yep. That's your, your whole outlook on life depends on how, you know, what are you going to focus on? The ones that you didn't get or the ones that you did get? Right. <laughs> And I mean, what can you do differently? You, you've literally been decoying birds all morning and, and those come in. And at that point you've got live birds on the ground and there's just nothing you could do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's a, you know, it's a, it's a successful day. You know, I've told you several times, um, like when we're hunting, I'm just super happy if we get, if we get a big grind going or there's, or there's, you know, you're able to sit there and watch birds like that's fun. Like that's a success. It's of course it's it's funner if you see a collar and you can sit up and shoot it. But you know, I consider every goose hunt a successful goose hunt if you get to watch some birds and have them close and have them decoy and work and stuff. You just do that enough time, and the odds are going to catch up to you. Right. Um. One time, I was going to hunt outside of Gaston and there was four of us going and two, two of the guys dropped out at the last minute. So it was just going to be Tim Bates and I, and he called me the night before and said, I can't make it. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going, but this just turned into a band hunt, you know? And it was a big group of cacklers and I wasn't sure if there's any callers in there or not. And, um, I set up and it was a, it was a cornfield, but there was a couple, just a couple, um, stalks of standing corn with a, just a little bit of brush, like, that had caught on there. And I'm like, well, that's a good spot. And now I'm just hiding one blind so I can hide it a lot easier. And I think I dug in just a little bit. Um, and I, you know, I had a pretty good hide going and I was watching birds and uh, just got a big grind going and, and watching and watching and watching. And pretty soon I saw a collar and it was pretty high and it was, and it was going straight away. And I sit up to shoot it and I shot at it and I missed it. And my, my hood went over my, cause it was raining like crazy. My hood went over my eye. Um, oh, I hate that. Yeah. <laughs> and I think I had shot twice at that point. And then my hood, my hood was over my eye. And so I took the time to pull my hood off 
and shot one more time. It was going away and I dumped him. And I was like, oh my gosh. And, and then, you know, the usual feeling of like, well, what did, why did I shoot? What did I see? Like, you, you almost never know that you actually saw a color, but I just, you know, something stood out and you just shot. And then I remember going over there and I turned it over and I'm like, oh my gosh, I just got, I just killed the yellow collar. Like, I can't even believe this. Like, I was so happy and it was just such a rare thing. And uh, I sat there and like, like for an hour, there wasn't anything more going on. And I'm like, man, you, Dave, you should just go home. Like, it just doesn't get any better than this. And um, it's dry. There's a dry spell here and you could get out of here. And and I'm like, no, I'm just going to stay. And next thing you know, I just hear this, you know, the thunder of like this giant flock of cacklers coming up the valley and pretty soon they start grinding, grinding in and grinding in. And I'm watching and watching. I'm like, well, what are the chances that there's two callers, you know, um, especially in this area? And I don't see any. I don't see any. And pretty soon they're landing further and further and further away. And they're pretty soon they're all on the ground. So now I'm like, okay, Dave, now you really should just get up and go home. Like, what, what are you doing now? Every single bird's on the ground. And I'm just like too stupid to leave. I'm too stubborn to leave. Next thing I know, the wind changes a little bit and a group gets up and flies like five yards high right and flies right in front of me at like 35 yards and lands a little bit later another flock gets up and does that exact same thing and i'm i'm just like well i'm this is back on again like this is as that's as fun. good as it gets that's as, as it good gets as right it gets there, yeah yeah because they're just floating they're just flying so so and little bunches so you can get a good look at them absolutely and about 20 minutes of that going on and next thing you know i I see something and I shoot and I'm like, no, that could not have been a collar. And it definitely couldn't have been a yellow collar. And there was something, I don't know what that was. Like, what did I just do? And I walk over there and it's a yellow collar, but it was, it was the largest yellow collar I've got of any of them. And I don't, I don't know, you know, why or what year or whatever. And now I've got two, two collars in one day. <coughs> and I'm like, you know, for, for, cack, for cacklers, that was really a rare, rare thing. And this, and, I was super happy and everything. And then a week later, I got invited to hunt only about a mile and a half away. And it was some people that I um, went to high school with. And, you know, they were going, some of them were going on their first ever goose hunt. And they, the setup was this, this, it was basically a duck blind with big trees overhead and stuff. And we're getting these big flocks of cacklers. And I'm like, looking trying to look through the tree branches and stuff to to look for collars and i'm just getting super frustrated i'm like oh there's this this is just dumb like just just <laughs> this is hopeless like dave just just, just forget collars yeah. and just have some fun you yeah. know like these are people that never hunted before and pretty soon this group of six cacklers <laughs> comes floating in uh right and right out in front of us and I call the shot and I didn't even pick up my gun. I'm just like, you know what? I'm going to let these guys shoot. And they shoot and everything like that. And they're all high-fiving and all this stuff. They walk out there and there's like a 12-year-old cackler collar on one of them. And I was like, all I would have, all I would have had to have done <laughs> is just open my eyes. You know, but I didn't even glance up that way. I was just like, and I was super glad that they got birds and everything. But here, like literally somebody who probably we're not sure who who got it but there's a very very good chance that at least two or three people their first ever goose was a 12 year old cackler collar and <laughs> they didn't you know they, they didn't had no idea it. it was there yeah, yeah they're just, and they just don't care luck. about it like oh right. i don't 
can you, can somebody else take this one with the weird plastic on it? And I'm just right. like, oh my gosh. And what a contrast between that one where it was just random dumb luck, maybe six of the only birds you guys had right in the hole. And I've know. never had that happen in my life. And you and I used to talk about that all the time. Like when, when are we going to hit the lottery and have a group of 10 birds come floating in with a collar? Like I just thought for sure that would happen. And right. it, it never had. Um, and then the other thing that got me that time was there were so few collars around and I had just killed two the week before. So I'm like, well, that's it. Like, right, you just wiped, <laughs> we just wiped out that whole valley. Yeah. yeah. So what are the chances? But uh, it was a lesson. It was a good, good lesson. And there again, I just had to focus on my good, my good fortune to get two the week before, not, not focus on right. that I didn't get that one. And if I remember correctly, that was, um, that was shortly after the, not this last collar study, but the one prior to that. So that would have been in the early 2000s. And I think that, that you got those birds a few years after that study had conducted um, or had completed. And so maybe maybe around 05-ish, roughly. Um, what would you say, you know, just your best guesstimate is like, like how many, how many cacklers would you have to comb through before you would see a collar that time of the year, which is kind of about like right now, you know, or, oh, the last collar study, I think, um, was conducted in 2011 through 2013 here. So they haven't, they haven't done any for five, five plus years now. And it feels like, I mean, there, you got to look through many thousands before yeah. you're going to see one. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, it, it feels like probably you got to look at 5,000 or more before you yeah. see one right now. You know, Maybe and that, more than that. That's how I felt it was in and stuff too. And, you know, I had a biologist tell me, I mean, I, just like you, I used to do a lot of volunteer work for the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service and, you know, spent a lot of hours driving around with my Swarovski spotting scope and, and um, you know, reporting numbers and stuff like that. And I remember one biologist told me like one in 1,800 is is collared and i was like i don't know <laughs> i don't know about that like because that yeah it's uh i agree like it seems like well i know that last year i sat um at selvi island in a, in a in a spot where i could really see really 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 well because i was yeah. like above the birds when you're above them you can see everything even if they're all feeding or whatever you can see every one of their necks and i feel like there was uh six Six thousand or seven thousand birds. I mean, it was a big mob. I sat there for over an hour with binoculars. I didn't see a single collar. Mm -hmm. I went over that whole flock se several times. So, you know, I I don't really know the answer. Um, but you well, know, like when you were saying you saw you know six hundred individual sightings, I think a lot of people are picturing. Oh my gosh, like yeah, it was like six hundred collars right around there. But you know. It, it, that's, that's first of all that is over th the course of three seasons of right. looking at them, three years of looking at them and 600 sightings um i think it was actually like 550 sightings was probably 250 Individual different birds. birds yeah you know yeah. Um, a lot of them were birds that i saw over and over and over again um which is really cool you know i learned a lot about how they'll show up in a certain area and then might stay there for three or four or five weeks and then move on and then you'll mm -hmm. see them in another part of the valley yeah you know and i can think of a bird that i killed um on black friday here three or four years ago it was a really fun hunt um with my dad and my brother and kevin and his kids um 
it was a bird that I had seen in, in that particular area where I ended up killing it. Um, you know, not, not far from my house here. Uh, I had seen it one year early in the study. So like 2011, 2012, you know, the fall of one of those two years, I had spotted that thing seven or eight different times over the course of the fall and winter that year. Um, it was very localized and, uh, and then years passed, I'd say three years went by and I never saw it. And then it just kind of showed up out of nowhere. And, Hmm. you know, this is an area that I scout a lot and look over a lot of birds. And so had it been in there, you know, um, for any length of time, I feel like I would have, I would have seen him. Um, but, but there was a, you know, about a three year period where that bird just, it vanished. It was there one, you know, one winter that was its home area. Um, there's a pretty major roost out there, uh, that's got, you know, a pretty good sized bunch of cacklers on it every year. And, and, uh, and it seemed like every time I went out there, I could, I could find that bird in, mm-hmm. in, um, in, you know, the year that I had, I had observed it so many times and then it, it vanished. And three years later, it just, it just disappeared or it just, uh, it reappeared in a big grind of cacklers and, and I saw it and, and I smoked them. Hmm. Right on. So what about, uh, have you ever got a double on collars or have you ever had a four collar day? Uh, I have had a four collar day. Have I ever doubled on? Co- yeah, I've doubled. I've doubled on them a few times. Um, I assume on honkers. Yeah. Um, there was the two black collars. I told you the story about those. Mm-hmm. I got those two together. Um, back in the nineties, when we had our local birds and there was a banding project here in the Valley from I think 90, 90, 91 through 95. And there was, you know, there was a fair number of white neck collars on our resident Western Canada geese. And, um, yeah, I probably shot a double or two back Mm -hmm. then. Um, but I've never doubled on collared cacklers that I can remember. I've shot, you know, I've shot two or more in, in a single hunt, but mm-hmm. never, you know, never, never together. Every once in a while, it seemed like in the height of our last banding study, you would see, you know, every once in a while you would see a pair together, you know, like, like they got like captured together. Pair. Yeah. And so, yeah, this, therefore they stuck together. Yeah. But, um, but no, I never, I never did. I never, I never got to, you know, out of the same flock. How, tell me about four collar days. I know you've had a few. I remember one, I remember one day, I think on a solo hunt, I, I thought it was one of the most epic hunts that you went on because you got a combination of yellow collars and blue oh, collars. No, right. I think you got blues and one yellow and then you got like a Drake canvas back or something like that or um, Eurasian widgeon or something. I like killed that. the only Eurasian widgeon, a Drake Eurasian widgeon I have ever killed in my life. Uh-huh. And I got a yellow collar cackler and I got three blue collar lessers. Yeah. Okay. That was a crazy day. Yeah. yeah. And it was snowing or it was freezing cold, rain. Like freezing rain. Freezing rain. Yeah. 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 That's, that's probably one of those times when you're like, uh, yeah, it was kind of <laughs> worth the, getting. You know, the point. topper was the, the widgeon because, you know, I had killed, I'd killed collars. I'd killed yellow collars and I'd killed blue collars before. Um, I'm pretty sure that was the best day up until that point as far as, you know, getting, getting four collars in a day. I think that was the first time I'd ever done that. 
But um, but to get a Eurasian Widgeon, you know, I'd never done that before. And I still, to this day, have never killed one since. So to get that Eurasian Widgeon um, was probably the craziest part mm-hmm. of that hunt. You know, I think it started out with big grinds of cacklers. And, you know, I got that yellow collar out of one of them. And then, um, and then little flocks of lessers just fighting that wind. It was just brutal, brutal, cold, freezing wind. Um, wind in my face. That's the only, the only hide I had was with a wind mm-hmm. in my face. So I was battling that. And, um, I remember looking down at my, at my shotgun at one point I was shooting, a, I was shooting a Benelli Nova back then. Mm-hmm. This was a long time ago. And it was covered in about a quarter inch of ice, you know, a layer of ice all, you know, over the entire gun. And I had to actually, um, knock the, the gun against my knee a few times to break the ice off the receiver mm-hmm. in order to get it to pump, you know, but, uh, no, that was a really, really cool, cool, bur- uh, cool hunt. And, uh, one of the cool things I remember about that hunt is that one of the blue neck collars I killed that day, um, the code on it was TKO uh-huh. <laughs> and I did That's smash cool. that bird. <laughs> right it on. Was, was that the one right where... at me like 10 yards and I, yeah. Where Brian was supposed to come along and then yeah. he, he came late and you put all the That's birds right. in his blind or something like that or what what did you do? Yeah, uh, Brian Stone was on that hunt with me. He helped me set up and then he had to go to baseball practice of all things on a Saturday in the winter, and um, so he was gone. He was gone for the start of shooting time, and that's right about the time the birds started flying. And I don't think he arrived until you know nine thirty maybe. And by then, you know, the, the flight was more or less over and I took my birds and I hit him in his blind. And, um, if I recall when he, when he got to the field, he called me on my cell and he asked me how the hunting had been. And I said, oh, it sucks, man. Just, just (laughs) get out here. Let's pick these decoys up and get out of here. And I think while I was talking to him, a a lone cackler came and landed in the decoys. And he Mm -hmm. saw it, you know, he saw Uh it coming and landed. And he goes, he goes, hey, are you going to shoot that bird? And I said, I said, no, man, it's all yours. (laughs) So um, I strategically placed his shotgun inside his blind over those four neck collars and that, (laughs) and that, um, (laughs) that, uh, that duck, that Eurasian widgeon. So he came. You know, he came sneaking back into the decoys, you know, like Wiley Coyote style. And, and, you know, he would, he would look at the bird and then he would take a few steps towards his blind and then look over at his blind doors and, and, um, slowly he's opening his, his blind lids, you know, <laughs> as he's, as he's looking straight at this, at this cackler in the decoys, you know, cause he, he wants to make sure it doesn't get up and fly off before he can get to his gun. And, um, he gets one lid open and I watch his head turn and he looks down and <laughs> he, he said, Ike said something along the lines of, no way, you, you got to be shitting me. Because, <laughs> you know, I mean, none of us had, or neither of us had ever had any kind of, you know, day like that. It was, yeah. uh, it was a pretty incredible morning. I think the weather had a lot to do with it. <coughs> it was really nasty. Yeah. One of the biggest challenges we had in the permit zone um was was the shooting times yeah. you know yeah. when when you can't shoot until 8 a.m and the birds want to fly at seven um you know you're you're kind of showing them if you're on the x let's say um you know you're you're gonna be 
you're going to be having a lot of birds come in and seeing your spread. Yeah. And then you're going to hope that, you know, if you flush them, that they're going to come back. Or if you don't flush them, that they're they going to stick feed around out of range. Yeah. and not feed out of range. Yeah. And so yeah. it was really challenging and it just worked out on that particular day. I think that the storm kept them down until eight o'clock. I don't think I shot the first bird until, you know, maybe eight fifteen or so that day. Right on. That's awesome. Yeah. Do, you, do you remember the day that we were guiding? <clears throat> we had a pretty big group of guys. And I think that they had, um, we had, uh, we had limited out. They were, they were done, but I don't think you or I had shot any birds at that point. And those guys were having fun and stuff like that. And we were kind of, I think some people were out of the blind and maybe they had walked back to their truck or to get some food or something like that. And I just remember, and you and I were, were over sitting in the blinds of, of, uh, not the, you know, not the blinds that we had, had been in. And pretty soon a flock of cacklers is coming and you're sitting there in somebody's blind and I'm in the blind next to you and I have my gun and you don't have your gun. And so these, this flock comes over, you're on my left and I'm on the right. So I'm like watching all the birds on the right. You're watching all the birds on the left. You know that I have a gun that you don't. Oh yeah. You know, I think one of our clients guns wasn't working. And so I, I let him use my gun. Oh, that was well, a hopeless feeling. Well, I thought that, I thought that afterwards you said, "Oh my God, there's a gun right here!" Like because I remember us seeing seeing that. Well, actually, there was a gun there. You could have picked uh, it up and used it. Huh. I don't remember for sure, but I just remember you were watching the group. The you were watching the, all the birds on the left. I was watching all the birds on the right. And pretty soon you say, "There's a collar. There's a collar right there." Well, I. I like glance over and I'm just trying to, I'm trying to go by roughly, you know, you're not pointing at her or anything. I'm I, just kind of roughly where your eyes are. I swear I pointed to it though. Oh, you I? did? Oh, maybe that, okay, that's what you did. See, I'm getting old and see now. Maybe that's what you did is you pointed to it. Well, I, I, and there was like brush. Remember that? Yeah. I literally had to shoot through treetops. Yeah. And I, I couldn't see the color at all. I never saw well, it. Well, it's going away by that point. So yeah. I was pointing. Fortunately, it wasn't a very big flock as I recall. Yeah. And so I was literally pointing at it, and all you could see was his butt. But yeah, you were shooting oh, okay. through the brush. And yeah. so I'm just going, okay, well, I think he's pointing at that one right there. And I shoot. Yeah. And I remember tree limbs are going or like that. And you go, oh, you hit it. And it, it I rocked it really hard, yep. but it picked itself back up and flew away. And I just was sat there, and just for five minutes, I was just like so sick. I was just, because it was the right bird. You know, you were saying like, well, you shot you shot the right one, but it didn't come down. And I was just like, oh my gosh, you got to be kidding me. And I was just sitting there sulking for the longest time. And then pretty soon a single bird is coming down the valley a long ways. And it's going to be out there at like 90 yards or, or whatever, like a long ways. Yes. And I remember one of, the, one of the people that we were hunting with, one of our clients said, hey, you guys, you know, that could be the bird that Dave just hit. You know, because he's he's hit yeah. hard. What do you say? We, every one of us, let's just, all grab our guns, and when it comes, let's every one of us shoot at it, and try yeah. to bring it down. And it's like it seems like it's so far out of range, and there's no idea that that could be the caller. But it was like all of a sudden, like everything seemed hopeful again. Like it seemed like there's a, actually a chance to fix this. And they come by, and I just I wish I could remember who that guy was, but I just would just I mean I was so thankful to him because Garrett Glasser. Yeah. Oh, is that who it was? Okay, yeah. so we all empty our our guns. It sounds like a war, and it's like it's no wonder my hearing is completely shot, you know. And we just we rock it really hard, but the same thing, it doesn't come down, and it swings around and everything, and we watch, and it's flying out over the water, and it, down it goes in the water, 
And I'm like, oh my God, it's down now. Um, and so one of them's like, well, hey, I'll, I've got waiters. I'll wait out there and get it. I remember him just waiting and waiting and waiting. And we're all just watching with anticipation and stuff like that. And they're like, is it the one with the collar and stuff like that? And pretty soon he just holds it up and there's a yellow collar. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I was, I was so happy. And I gave the band to, to that guy. To Garrett, yeah. Yeah, Garrett. Because um, I was so thankful to him uh, and that you want to talk about going from emotional, you know, high to emotional low to emotional high. That was that one was a pretty crazy trip right there. Yep. Yep, for sure. Huh. What's your? Well, let's hear about one of your smash them up like four four collar hunts. Well, I one I had the closest one I had to yours that involved a duck, <laughs> I guess, was me out hunting on a tide flat. Um, and that's never a X, you know, it's never an X deal. You're not, you're not, you're not hunting on an X, but what you're doing is you're, you have to get there by boat and you are, you're so separated from, from everything that the birds are willing to fly around low. So that's super fun. Like I really enjoyed that a lot and I could only bring six or eight decoys at the most just because I'm in a little, you know, grass up marsh rat and stuff. Um, so I always set up for visibility, but I was able to hide my boat like so close. Oh to my the, God. Yeah. The, I remember, yeah. I remember I went on a hunt with you one time on one of those and you put your, your marsh rod in one of those cuts. Yeah. Absolutely yep. gone. Yeah. Like, absolutely. Like gone. literally oh. you could step on top of the boat. <laughs> yeah. You I, could be looking at the ground and watching where you're putting your feet and still step on top of your boat. Yeah. Like it's that, that hidden. Yeah. That part was really fun. And, and I, I had a pretty good day. It was, it wasn't a day of, um you know, like tons of birds, de- you know, decoying or anything like that. But, but you know, about every every half hour or so, a flock would be down on the f- tide fl- flat and flying around low. And that really was a place where you where you would call because it's such a huge tide flat or flag, collar flag, um, to get them to come over. And I, I ended up, um, I got a couple collars, uh, Wesky collars, and one of them was a pretty long shot. Um, and it was a little bit foggy at that time and it took me a long time to find the bird. Like I was like, well, I, I know I made a good shot and I know he's stone dead. And I started to get worried after, you know, 15 minutes of looking for it, but I finally found him. He was stone dead and everything was fine. So now I had two, I had two Wesky collars and then, you know, went for like easily an hour without anything happening. And then pretty soon a flock comes, is flying around on the tide flat and I can see from, you know, a few hundred yards away that there's a collar in there. And, <coughs> excuse me, and sure enough, that flock just comes and just floats right by me. And as I can see the antenna that it's a radio transmitter. And so I, I shot and made a good shot on him. So I'll, I'm like, oh, I've got three callers now. And, uh, and then all day long, I've had mallards fly over, like singles and pairs just buzzing over the top of me. And I'm like, I'm, I'm not going to shoot any of them because I've got, I've got heavy shot, three and a half inch bees. And they're really expensive, and they're worth they're worth every penny. You could kill an elephant <laughs> at like three hundred yards, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, but I didn't want to shoot at any ducks because you know that's super expensive shells and stuff. Well, at one point, I like I look and you, as far as you can see down the tide flat, there's no geese flying anywhere, and I hadn't heard a goose in a long time. And here comes this Drake Mallard, just like floating right over the top of my head. And I'm just like, I can't take it anymore. I sit up and boom, and that, you know, just pulverize him with that, uh, with the three and a half inch bees heavy shot. And I get, and he's banded. 
Oh my god! And I was like, "Oh, that's that's pretty crazy." And then just a little bit later, a pair of honkers came, and I watched really carefully for their legs. I could see both their legs pretty pretty well, and none of them were banded. Uh, well, wait a minute. I'm yeah. I don't think I got. I I might have got a banded honker that day. I'll have to look at the pictures, but I think I just shot a honker for my last bird that wasn't banded, and and that was it. Called it called it good. Um, but yeah, that was a pretty that was a pretty fun day, pretty epic day. Man, I'll say so. Three collars and a three collars and a leg banded mallard. Yep, and one yeah. of the collars was a radio transmitter. That's cool. But I know you've gotten four. I have I have gotten four a couple of times, um, and that's just days when you know they're just working really really good, and there's there's weskies around, and and uh, um, there was a there was one landowner who would never let anyone hunt. And a lot of people asked him, and he wouldn't budge. And I asked him one time, like, if he wanted to go hunting, like, if he wanted to, you know, I said, look, I'll set up all the decoys, and I'll bring the blinds, and I'll get everything set up, and all you have to do is walk down from your house. Um, I'll call you when when I'm ready, and you can come down, and we'll go hunting together. And he's like, I'm all over it. Like, he hadn't shot a goose in, you know, years and years and years, and he couldn't, he had a... um, he had a bad knee. He couldn't, you know, get around very well and didn't didn't want to do any of that stuff. And, you know, fast forward to like I hunted with him for quite a few years and his property was really, really, really good. And uh, what's cool is he ended up getting a, a knee replacement and he was just like like a gazelle after that, you know. Um, but I got four collars on his place. I know one time uh, I my fourth one of the day sailed out into the bay and I had to take a boat and row out for it. And, you know, the, the tide was changing, uh, the tide was, tide was coming in. So the bird was floating pretty fast. So I had to row <laughs> really hard and really fast and went out there and got it. And I, I, I got four collars on that day. And that was pretty fun. What about you? Any other, any other four collar days or th- three collar days? Yeah. Um, I had a couple, a couple, um, other ones, um, and they were weather related to snowy, super snowy, cold days. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember one, one of the two hunts was really, really cold and there was a little bit of snow on the ground and the other day wasn't as cold, but there was just a ton of snow. Like we got, we got like 16 inches of snow in a, you know, in one day, which is a lot of snow for us. It's just yeah. typically, typically two or three inches is, is as much snow as we get, especially down here, um, on the South end of the Valley. Um, you guys up North seem to get a lot more than us mm-hmm. and more frequently, but, uh, for whatever reason, um, the, the Southern end of the Valley here, we got pounded with snow and, uh, one of the refuges here, not, not too far from where I live, um, was holding a lot of geese at the time. And, um, when we got that much snow, they just didn't have anywhere to go. You know, um, all of their food sources were under a blanket of snow. And, um, one of the last things that, that our geese will do when we start to get a buildup of snow like that is they'll use tall fescue fields and tall fescue is good up till I would say about 10 to 12 inches of snow. Um, once you get more snow than that, um, the, the tops of the grass, you know, the, the geese just can't even get to them, yeah. even, even digging down. 
So, um, but I thought, you know what? Um, they were in tall fescue the day before. Um, and I, and I actually had a field in mind that had a couple thousand birds in it that I wanted to hunt. And when I got there in the morning, there was so much snow. I, I just literally physically could not push my cart out into this field far enough. So I ended up setting up, uh, only maybe 150 yards from my truck, which, you know, is way closer than I was comfortably yeah. set up normally, but I literally couldn't go any further. And, um, I took a shovel with me and I dug all the way down to the tops of the, the grass, you know, the tall fescue. And I, I, I only, I only had enough time and enough energy to, to dig an area that was maybe 30 feet, roughly by 30 feet. And I took all my decoys out of their bags and I just placed them on top of the snow. I didn't even put stakes out. And, uh, and then the geese started flying and it was just the most incredible thing I've ever seen. I, I mean, it was, it was, I'm sure from their vantage point, they were looking down and they could see that, that grass and it probably yeah. didn't matter if I had decoys or not, you know, they just, they sucked right in. Yeah. And, and I mean, it was, it was amazing because, uh, I would say literally well over 90% of the geese that I laid eyes on that day. And we're talking refuge geese. We're talking like lots of geese flying out. Um, came and and finished in my little hole there. Wow. So um, it it wasn't. It was a lot of fun. It wasn't especially challenging to pick out right. four callers because I mean, I would I would wager that I I probably decoyed you know well in excess of twenty to thirty thousand geese that morning. I wow. Mean, I mean, and and the great thing is. Because they didn't have, um, they didn't have a, a field in mind. You know, they didn't have an X. They were all flying around, lost Looking. all morning long. So yeah. it wasn't, it wasn't. You know, you, you go set up on a big X field. If you set up on twenty, thirty thousand birds, a lot of times you're going to get big waves of, you know, two to five thousand birds coming. You know, you get a handful of waves like that, and then the flight's more or less over. You, you get some little bunches here and there. It was it wasn't like that at all. And and those those bunches are hard. If, if you're going to try to band hunt because you've got a lot of birds to look over um, and, and you only have a handful of flocks to do it in. And so it, it was it was unique in that the birds were flying all morning and in smaller flocks. So, you know, I was getting a lot of, you know, little mini tornadoes of one mm -hmm. or 200, maybe maybe 500 cacklers at a time. And, and of course, with um, the snow um, reflecting light from from the ground up, you could see the yellow collars on them. Like, uh, I mean, it was, it was easy. <laughs> it was really easy to spot them. So, yeah. so yeah, it, and it took me less than an hour to get four of them. Wow. Yeah. It was, yeah, that's, but you, yeah, you put in a lot of days and a lot yeah, of years. I mean, it, like it almost didn't feel like it was even fair at the time, but, um, I got over it pretty quick. Yeah. Good, good, good. Yeah. That, that reminds me of one of four collar day that I had, um, in a pasture where it was just really cold and some of the really, really high flying flocks, you could just call at them and they would just start spiraling down and, you know, it would take them forever to get down. But it's like, I, I had a, I mean, it wasn't anything quite like that, but I remember a day where it was just absolutely all day of birds, you know, the constant small flocks coming in and you have that happen enough times and you're going to get some, and get some collars. Yep. Wow, that's awesome. I that sounds like that sounds like fun. That sounds like the better than 
you know the 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 duck hunting scenario where everything's frozen and you're on the one the one piece of water that's <laughs> that's open yeah uh, that's uh i just i i hope for those geese i hope they found some green grass somewhere <laughs> yeah <laughs> but yeah they probably did so yeah no doubt what what about um what what's your what's your most memorable band or caller i should say either one um do you have a is there a bird that you had like a lot of history with that it took you you know several several hunts or even several years maybe of chasing to well, get it you know when you when you say that one that comes to mind is is not necessarily one that i have a big history with no, but just... one that scott johnson <laughs> has a big history he's with. talking about 26xh <laughs> yeah 26xh and what's weird is i you know i have this i have my own memory of what happened that day and i'm not sure i that everyone agrees with that's how it happened but my my memory of that well first of all some some history on that bird and maybe you can help me remember too but i mean scott johnson our our mutual friend and he's a great great band hunter too and really fun to hunt with he's probably in our you know in our tight small group of people who truly gets it and is patient and can handle it and all that stuff and he's fun to hunt with and he's good at spotting them too um, but he was obsessed with that bird because oh, he had a major boner for that. Bird. Yeah. <laughs> it was one, one of the very, very, very few Weskies that had a collar, a leg band and a Tarsus band. Oh, that reminds me of another story. Well, and he, um, <laughs> and you and I and Scott went hunting together and Scott was just, he wanted that bird in the worst possible way. But, but we are hunting literally, uh, on the edge of the bay, um, and so it's like, it, you know, there's no kind of X with those coastal birds and they, the chance, you know, the chances of running into that bird are just right. It's really, like a needle really, in a haystack. It's like a needle in a haystack. And, and, you know, of course, you know, you and I, if we could have made it happen, you know, we would, Scott would have got that bird because I feel like at that time it would have made his whole life, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, I, re- I remember, this is my memory of it. And this probably sounds really arrogant and conceited and stuff like that. But so, um, you know, I, hope I don't have it wrong, but this is kind of how I remember it. I kind of remember at one point we were kind of a distance away from, from where we had originally started. And we were just crouched down behind like a big old snag. And I was, I was calling at this flock and you two were in front of me and I had my gun, but I wasn't going to shoot because I, I, it wouldn't have been safe or anything like that. And so I called and called and called and this flock, you know, sure enough swung around and they came up and they kind of hung there a little bit. And I just kind of kept my head down and everything. And I remember Scott saying like, oh, there's no collars. And, but we couldn't see them all. Like they were stacked, yeah. stacked against each other and stuff like that. And so they, they flew away. <coughs> and then like somebody made the comment that, well, they, the way they were stacked, we couldn't see them all and everything like that. So try, try to call them back. So I called and called and called and they swung around again and they came up and they were kind of hanging there again. And I remember Scott again said, no callers. And then I was kind of had my head down and then I looked up and I'm like, oh, oh shit, there's a collar. Like I, I had a different view or it just had dropped lower than all the others or whatever like that. And of course, instead of saying like, hey guys, you know, my buddies, hunting partners, <laughs> there's a collar. I just like have so ingrained in the idea that you just don't, there's never time to, you know, pass along the information to your buddy and relay it and all that stuff, whatever. So I I sat up and shot it, 
And then Scott went to get it. And pretty soon Scott is screaming like crazy. And I'm thinking that he's dying. Like what, what's happening to our friend Scott? And he holds that bird up and it's 26 XH. And he comes over to me and he hugs me so hard that I think, I think it did like permanent damage to my rib cage or something like that. But he was just <laughs> freaking out. I mean, I was happy myself, but I would have been happier if Scott would have got it. And I probably should have just let him shoot her. I just, I don't know what. And the only thing, um, that's maybe saved that day is I do remember at one point a pair was flying out there and I called at him and I could see that there was no collar, like, like from a distance away. Yeah. Um, I'm like, well, there's no collar. And I'm like, well, Scott wants to shoot, shoot a bird. So I'm just going to let him shoot. Right. And so I'm like, all right, Scott, they're all yours. You know, shoot one or two, whatever you want to do and stuff like that. So they come in and next thing you know, he shoots. Well, what it was is one of the two had a black radio transmitter collar and that um, that bird, so that's why I didn't see a collar from a distance away because it had a black, you know, black collar, and I didn't I didn't look at him anymore when they got closer. So at least on that hunt, he he got a, you know he got a really super cool trophy. But anyways, yeah, that that's one of the most memorable ones I would say, at least for Scott. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, what, I what mean, I I um. I I know how you you felt in the moments, you know, the the milliseconds right before you came up and shot. And maybe that's why I don't remember it as well as you because it's not it's not it wasn't like a big a big deal to right. me. It's kind of the it's kind of the norm. Like you and I don't I don't think people realize that you and I don't get to hunt together, you know, a whole a whole heck of a lot. I hunt a lot with guys that live closer to home because you know we live 80 miles apart right um but um but like with kevin and i who hunt together all the time it's it's just and and within our group it's just common knowledge that if you see a bird and and you're you're confident that um that that you can kill it you don't ha you don't need anybody's permission you just sit up and you shoot because a lot of times what happens if you don't is you you don't get another chance at it so so in your case there where you saw this bird, which, you know, turned out to be the one collar that Scott Scott had massive wood over, um, you know, you, you you did exactly what I would have done if I would have saw it first, you know. Um, and the only reason I didn't shoot at that one is because I hadn't seen it. So. Yeah, right. But, well, and you remember that um, Scott was so obsessed with that bird that he actually had a Tarsus band made yes. with that um code and, and he, he told me he was going to play a trick on you that was the yeah, plan like right. literally before we got there that day he he pulls out this tarsus band and he says look what i look what i had made yeah you know like he he called up an engraver and everything and and had him make a tarsus <laughs> band replica of 26 xh and he was going to go out and pick up a bird you know and and put that put that tarsus band on there. I don't know how he was going to try to pull it off because if it didn't have the, you know, neck collar to, to match. Yeah. Right. The collar was 26 XH yeah. too. Yeah. Right? That was what was cool. Cool. About yeah. It. Um, that one kind of back backfired on him. <laughs> kind of backfired. But, but it was just so ironic that, you know, here, um, of, of all the birds in that, that area, not that there's like, you know, hundreds of thousands of birds, but, but still just such a large area that the one bird that, you know, we were, really interested in or at least scott was you know super super interested in and had some history with um was you know one of a handful that we got that day yeah do you remember the day that we all went down to the coast and 
the I had hunted there so much by myself. Um, so you know, when I called, I called very infrequently, and it was always just me by myself. So now, a group of four or five of us that all work together, we went down there and we decided to all call like crazy. Like, and so the birds had never, they had never heard that, never heard anything like that. And we were getting those big flocks of weskies to just, to just start parachuting out of the sky and coming oh, down. Oh my God, yes. And there was a guy down there um, who was just shooting, like, like taking 100 yard shots at every single flock that, I mean, they were way out of range for him. Every single flock that was decoying to us. And it was on the swing. On the swing, on on their way, on their way to our spread, and I remember the lighting was good that day. Yeah, and I remember on their final swing, looking up and seeing you know like whole groups of you know like four or five white neck collars yeah. together. Yeah, yeah, it was it would that would have been the most insane day of our either of our lifetimes. I think as far as if that would have all worked, and <clears throat> the other thing that was sad is that guy was he was shooting at dark shooting and killing you know dark birds that were un unmarked like right. uh but you know he just didn't care but i think we still i think we still got seven colors that day yeah i, I, I think we got eight if i remember correctly eight. we each got two yeah so that's that's pretty good i remember i killed a a banded honker on that day it's going to one of the rare days what's your what's your special collar what what's the one that you're just uh really that you think about when you when you go to bed at night and close your eyes. The <laughs> one you're going to think about when you when you get old and too oh, old to too old to hunt. Man, um, well, I mean, I, I wouldn't say that there's any one in particular that um that's near and dear to me. There's a lot of them that are. Um, one off the top of my head was my first ever black neck collar. Um, which was on a was on a honker uh, out of um, Northern California, and a a year or two prior, uh, Sean Stahl had come out and and was was hunting with us on that flock knocker hunt. Remember? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And him and Bill hunted together one day, and and one of their clients ended up getting a black neck collar. It was the first time I ever saw one, and when I saw that thing in person, I was just so enamored by it you yeah know? i mean i had killed white neck collars up up to that point i think that was all i had ever shot and um and man i just wanted one so bad it was just so cool looking mm-hmm. and um and remember the kid that shot it he was just like yeah he's like he's what's like, what this thing it's yeah. just somebody's pet yeah i don't want this circus goose right you know? yeah i remember that thinking of course um and and so you know, for for a few years, I was really looking for him hard. You know, but but I wasn't seeing him. And I know I remember Worth Matthewson had run into a few, you know, here in the valley. Yeah. Um, he lives about fifty miles up north of here, uh, but he had run into a few, and so I knew that there were some around. And oh, and um, Carl Fitz, Carl Fitz and Steve Furkatish, I think they they got a few. Um, and so I knew that that there were a few around, but um, I just happened to be um, running errands one day, just picking up shop supplies in Albany, and and I drove by um, I drove by just one of the local parks in town, you know, which I'll get a few honkers on it, and and I look out um, 
I look out at the pond and there was, there was about 40 honkers on the bank and one of them caught my eye and I pulled over and I looked and sure enough, there's a black neck collar. <laughs> I was like, Oh my God, you've got to be kidding me. So, um, you know, so I, I finished my errands and, and I went, I went back to, to the shop and got done with my work that day. And I came out that, that evening, um, to try to find that goose. And of course they were gone. Um, they'd left the roost and, and I drove all over the place looking, looking for that bird. And, and, um, at first I didn't find it. And then I think it was the next day. Maybe I, I drove by, um, I drove by a dairy where I hunt and there were six birds out there, six honkers. And there was that black neck collar mm-hmm. and there was 10 cacklers with them too. And so I went in there with 10 decoys the next day and, and, um, and, and here they came and it was one of those deals where, you know, um, I, I knew it was them from a mile away, you know, here's, I could see through my binoculars, six honkers and 10 cacklers, exactly what was in there the day before yeah. all coming at one time, you know, and I'm set oh, up man. with 10 decoys and, and they came in and, um, and, and they didn't even circle. They, they came right to the decoys. And when I sat up to shoot, another goose crossed in front of the black collar and I shot them both. And when I went and picked them up, the other goose was banded too, oh. which was really cool. But I just automatically kind of assumed that, okay, it must be a bird that was banded, you know, either um, at the same time as the, sure. as the black collar, or at least at the same location, you know? Um, and it turns out that, so the black collar came out of Northern California and, and the leg band came out of Washington and, you know, they were banded like two days and 500 miles apart, you know, like I want to say two or three years prior to when I shot him. Um, and, and here I am in Oregon, right in the middle. Yeah. And that's where I shot him. Yeah. That's so a it, crazy coincidence. But it just makes you look at flocks so differently. I remember, I remember I looked at him, you know, resident, you know, quote unquote resident or resident geese in a, in a new light after that because you know here's here's six birds and they're representing at least two two different states you know in uh, where, where they were hatched yeah and 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 here i am you know in a, in a completely different state than than where they were hatched and you know one flew north and the other flew south yeah to find each other um and and find you know this field that i end up getting them in and so, you know, what does that say when, when you're looking, when you're looking out across at a, a flock of birds, you know, I mean, they can, they can come from, from anywhere. They have wings, yeah. you know, they can go wherever they want. Yeah, absolutely. Well, an, an eye opener for me was, <clears throat> uh, remember when I used to make the decorative, uh, decoy like a long time ago, like our lesser rester. Um, and then we started making them, you know, as, as, you know, a group as DSD and I had a bunch of bands on them. I had a bunch of bands made and they just had my name and phone number. That was it. And I remember um, one, you know, Tim Bates, our good friend we've known forever. Timmy. Uh, Timmy, yeah. He, uh, he, he called me up one day and, you know, him and his little, he was kind of young then, little hellion friends. And he's like, yeah, we, we, we caught a honker down at the pond in it and we, we put one of your bands on its leg. <laughs> and I was like, Tim, what are you doing? Like, we didn't think much about it. And, then one day I'm working in my shop and I get a phone call and a guy calls me up and he says, yeah, I just got one of your bands. I was just wondering if I could get the, uh, you know, the report on when and where it was banded and everything. Cause each band still had an individual number. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, 
I think, you know, you got the wrong number or something like that. I haven't done any banding. He's like, well, I got a band here and it says Dave Smith. And, and I'm like, oh, okay. So yeah, I do remember that there was a, so you're by Gaston somewhere. He says, I'm up north of Peace River, Alberta, Canada. And so that was, that was our, you know, local resident golf course geese that don't go anywhere. And that's where he shot it. And that was an eye opener too, just like what you're saying, like yep. about our resident birds, how how resident they really are. That yeah. was really interesting. I remember um, Bob Jarvis telling me the same thing. He said most of our molt migrators, they fly north up to Peace River. Yeah. And and if you pay attention now, you know if you're if you're a valley guy here, um, watch in in mid May um, every year. There's there's a there's about a one week period of time, usually that about the third week of May, when you'll see little bunches of molt migrators heading north, hmm. typically 10 to 25 honkers. And they'll be, you know, anywhere from maybe a hundred yards to 300 yards high and flying yeah. north. And that's what they're doing. Well, and I remember molt. I used to see those and go, oh yeah, they're going to the lower Columbia, you know, and they're going to hang out in the summer and molt in, in July or late, you know, late June or July. But no, they're going to, I mean, some of them, of course, are, but some of them are going a lot further than that. Yeah. I mean, um, there's, there certainly are, um, there's areas where, um, they'll, they'll molt, um, south of, south of Peace River for sure. Like the lower Columbia you're talking about being one place and Vancouver Island, I've heard gets quite a few, uh, molt migrators end up, end up there too, um. But uh, yeah, Peace River Country, that's, that is like the number one destination. Hmm. Interesting. Well, should we wrap this up? Sure. And the funny thing is, I feel like, I mean, I could just keep talking and, and go on and on and on and on and on because bands, um, I don't know, bands are, bands are cool. They're kind of near and dear to me. And, and, um, you know, I love, I love hearing your stories and talking about them. And, and, um, I think, you know, I think we covered kind of the meat and potatoes of, of our strategy anyways for band hunting. Um, but, um, you know, we'd like to, we'd like to know if, if our listeners have any questions for us, please feel free to add them in the comments, you know, to us and let us know, you know, what, what, it, what exactly it is that you want to know. And and let us know what what else you want to hear about. Um, and and we certainly appreciate you guys listening. And we certainly appreciate uh, all our DSC customers too. Right. And you know we probably should have started this whole episode off with a disclaimer that if you're not if you're not interested in hearing a couple guys ramble on and on and on for hours on end about about bands, then skip forward to the next podcast. Yeah. I'll tell you what we really should have started this off with. Something that's been on our minds for a while now, and that is um, there is a certain person who we have to be um, incredibly thankful for for um, being our mentor and guide and paving the way for us, and that's Mr. Tim Grounds. Yeah. And we got this super sad news that he died in an accident um, recently, and that's just heartbreaking for for all of us at DSD and everyone that goose hunts and, and just one of the, one of the nicest guys you could ever meet. One of the most talented, one of the most talented people. And we've said that, you know, it's, 
it's kind of sad to say, but you know, we we haven't had this podcast out very long, but we've had a couple before Tim died, and we said on those earlier ones that he's one of the most talented callers, one of the nicest guys on the planet. Um, so it's a big loss for yeah. hunting community, and I just I just picture him. I kind of think, you know, heaven is you know whatever you know what whatever is perfect for you um it, that god will make it um just just whatever is heaven for you so i picture him up there you know hunting like crazy and we'll all you know we'll all be with him again and we wish great luck to hunter grounds and and you know it's amazing the way that he's already just completely stepping up and um you know, trying trying to fill fill in and doing a really good job, um, taking over the business and all that kind of stuff. So, yep, we wish some we wish some luck and yeah, all the all the best. Right on.